we have all at some point in our lives been in the pits. We've all experienced trouble in our lives. We've all felt depressed by the situations that we are facing. And I am sure that at some point, we've all been there. Just yesterday, we were with, my wife and I were with three other couples, and we were sharing around a kitchen table, and there were tears. There were tears because of things a person was experiencing, and her soul was troubled, and Psalm 77 comes into play. Now, I know when you read the Psalms, you often see yourself. Because the experience of the psalmist is also our experience. And you know what? That's no accident. Because God put the psalms in the Bible to call us to great heights of worship, but also to help us in the dark seasons of our life. In fact, the Bible is full of stories of people who struggled with their life situations. Moses, in Deuteronomy 1.12, he complained to God, God, how can I handle all these problems that the people have? I, I am just overwhelmed. Elijah. Elijah, after an incredible victory, told God, I just want to die. God, I just want to die. Job. Job 3, 3, he said, man, I wish I was never born. I wish I was never born. Jeremiah was close to that. Instead of saying, why, instead of saying, I wish I was never born, he said, why was I ever born? For trouble? Because that seems like all I have is trouble. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow. Luke says that being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly. Being in anguish. Then the Apostle Paul talked about the thorn in the flesh that he had. We don't know what it was, but he had a thorn in the flesh that bothered him, that troubled him. And you know, when you look back over this list, you realize that the company of the troubled is pretty noble company. I wouldn't mind being part of that. Oh, wait, I am, because there are times in my life when I've experienced trouble and heartache. It is not a new thing for Christians to experience a troubled spirit or depressing circumstances. In fact, I found that path well-worn. All of our lips have spoken words of discouragement. All of our hearts have felt it. Every one of us has known at one time or another the slap of a setback, the grief or loss of someone. We've experienced overwhelming stress in our lives that even affected us physically. 
To be human is to feel those things. What adds to the burden of the depressed and despondent is the common and misguided notion that good Christians don't get depressed. Any hint of depression around the church, cliches start to surface. You just need to have more faith. You just need to rejoice in the Lord. Sometimes it can come as a pep talk. Come on, get up. Get moving. Stop having a pity party for yourself. But there is a kind of depression that is more complicated because it lies within the form of a chemical imbalance, which means that we cannot escape the black hole without medical attention. Now, this morning, I am not talking about that, okay? I want to be very clear that I'm not talking about chronic depression. What I'm talking about here in Psalm 77 is a situational depression, situational trouble. The things that you are experiencing are because of situations that you are facing in your life, not because of physical issues. And I know that there are people who struggle from a chemical imbalance and are chronically depressed. But that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about situational depression, situational troubles. Let's look at Psalm 77. So please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77 or turn on your devices and find Psalm 77. And as you get there, you will see that there is a heading that says, for the choir director or the music director, Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. So who is Jeduthun? What a name. Jeduthun is one of the musicians that was appointed by David to lead Israel's public worship. First Chronicles 16 says this, David left Zadok, the priest, and his fellow priests before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place in Gibeon to present burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offerings regularly, morning and evening, in accordance with everything written in the law of Moses, which he had given Israel. With them, with these priests, were Heman and Jeduthun, and the rest of those chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Heman and Jeduthun were responsible for the sounding of the trumpets and the cymbals, for the playing of the other instruments for sacred song. So Jeduthun is an appointed musician, and his responsibility was for the music, the public worship at the temple. Now it says the psalm was written by Asaph. Now we read many times that a lot of the psalms were written by David, but this one is written by Asaph. Asaph was the chief minister in charge of music. Again, we go back to 1 Chronicles 16. They brought the ark of God and set it 
inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. Man, I wish I had some cymbals to clash this morning, but I didn't want to scare you, so... Besides, I'm not the chief musician either. So, Chad, get up here and... Oh, wait, we don't have any. But Jeduthun was the chief, was the musician, part of public worship. Asaph was the chief in charge. Asaph is the writer of Psalm 77. Let's start out. The first three verses. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. Asaph had no other place to cry out but to God. Because I think deep down in, he knew that he was in such a predicament that it was only God who could bring him out of the predicament that he was in. And he desperately wanted to hear from God. But he says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. He says, I stretched out untiring hands. And that was a position of prayer. He was there lifting up his hands to God. And he was in such trouble that it wasn't tiring to keep his hands up in prayer. That's how much he wanted to hear from God. But yet it says, (laughs) I remembered you, God, and, and I groaned. I sought help from you. And it says, I would not be comforted. Maybe some encouraging thoughts came to his mind, and maybe some friends came along beside him and said, you know, oh, it's, it's not this bad, or, you know, you, you'll get over it, or, you know, cheer up. <laughs> um, but he said, I... I would not be comforted. That's how troubled his soul was. This was a deep trouble that Asaph was feeling. And you know, sometimes we, we refuse to be comforted because what people say is so superficial. It really doesn't help us. And it's like, well... Thanks, but that really didn't help at all. And the only thing we can do is groan because we find ourselves deep in the pits. Let's go on, verse 4. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago, 
I remembered my songs in the night, my heart meditated, and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? I'll stop there. He says, my eyes, you kept my eyes from closing. <laughs> have you ever held a, have had a sleepless night because your soul was troubled? That was Asaph. He says, I can't sleep. I'm too troubled in my heart. I, I, just, I just can't sleep. And notice this. He says, I remembered my songs in the night. He, he remembered back on things that he wrote before. He, he remembered, you know, well, okay, I, I, I wrote these songs. And even in the midst of writing those songs and remembering what he wrote, he says, I'm not comforted. That, that doesn't help me at all. And then he asks six questions. He asks six questions. The first one, will the Lord reject forever? Wow. Talk about feeling lonely. <laughs> it's like there's, okay, I, you know, I, I'm by myself, God. Will the Lord reject forever? Second question he asks is, will he never show his favor again? The third question, has his unfailing love vanished forever? The fourth question he asks, has his promise failed for all time? The fifth, has God forgotten to be merciful? The last question he asks, has he in anger withheld his compassion? Man, can't you hear Asaph saying, God, where are you? I need you right now. I need you the most right now. And where are you? Where in the world are you? Come on, I, I'm in deep trouble. My soul is troubled, but yet, where are you? Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher from centuries ago, wrote this. If you are a child of God, yet never had to ask these questions, you ought to be very grateful. But if you have asked them, be very glad. Be very thankful that Asaph asked them before you. And believe that as he had a comfortable answer to them so shall you. It is always a comfort when you can see the footprints of another person in the mire and in the slough. For if that man passed through unharmed, so may you. For God shall be your helper also. Really good words. A number of translations put Selah behind verse 9 and also after verse 15. And there's 74 times in the Hebrew Bible that this word is written. 
Unfortunately, we don't really know what it means, but what many people have said is that it's probably a musical notation, and it most likely means to stop and to listen. Not quite sure, but that's, that's what the Bible scholars lean towards, to stop and listen after verse 9. And it's a great break in Psalm 77, because at verse 10, something starts to change. Verse 10, then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Now we can appreciate Asaph's honesty. His, his anguish in these first nine verses. And there seemed to be a gap between, this is what I've experienced right now, but yet this is what I believe. And that's why it felt so painful. And so Asaph said, okay, I will remember now. I, I, I will, in, in the midst of my pain and anguish, in the midst of all of my troubles and my feelings, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. What an important step when you feel locked down by depression, when you are troubled in spirit. Remember what God has done. Because when we start remembering what God has done for us, it helps us to put together our perspective in a different way. Because when we start remembering what God has done for us, all of a sudden we start remembering the love that God has for us. We start remembering the, the grace that God has shown to us, the mercy that he has given to us. I will remember the deeds of the Lord, Asaph wrote. That's an important step when we need to gain a different perspective knowing that God is there for us because he was there for us in the past. This was Asaph's first step in his healing process, remembering what God has done. Asaph dwelt on the facts of what God has done in the past, from what he experienced in his life concerning God's goodness and God's faithfulness to him. And knowing that God does not change, God is still going to be there for him to give him hope, to help him to come through this, this time of trouble. I will remember. Remember. 
Philippians 4.8 reads, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I think that's where Asaph went. Hey, I'm going to remember those things that God has done. There are times in our lives where what we know to be true needs to supersede how we feel. Let me say that again. There are times in our lives where what we know to be true needs to supersede how we feel. And that's where Asaph was coming to, by remembering what God has done for him. So Asaph says, okay, I will remember what God has done for me. Now look at verses 13 through 15. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. You know, there's something about worship that recalibrates the soul. But worship is not the natural instinct of a depressed person. When gloom closes in, the last thing that we want to do is be with other people and worship God. But Asaph willed himself to worship. There are deeply helpful benefits to gathering together with God's people to worship. There are deeply helpful benefits to gathering with God's people to worship. Asaph starts to worship God by saying, God, you are a God who is holy. He starts out by saying, God, you are holy. You are holy. That's part of his worship to help reframe his perspective. God, you are a holy God. Then in verse 14, he goes on and says, God, you have miracle working power. You are a God who works miracles. Then finally, he says, God, you are the God of redemption because you redeemed your people. And we'll get into that, how God redeemed his people. He said, God... With your mighty arm, you you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Asaph remembers that God heard the cries of the people in Egypt. God heard the people crying out because of the slavery that they were facing, because of all the work that they had to do, and because they were being treated so unfairly. And so Asaph remembers that God heard their plea. And God rescued them. He redeemed them. Verses 16 to 20. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. 
your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Hey, when you think about it, Asaph was experiencing the same thing that the Israelites experienced at the Red Sea. The Israelites felt trapped. They felt hopeless. They felt despondent. You know, we had the Red Sea on one side. We had the Egyptian army on the other side. (laughs) Really? Wait. uh, That's how Asaph was feeling. Trapped, hopeless, despondent. But yet he remembered, wait, God came through. God came through with it for the Israelites. He saved them. God will do the same for me. In these verses 16 to 20, Asaph focuses in on one specific action of God. This is the one thing that God did that helped Asaph the most to change his perspective. Because I think just like the Israelites feeling trapped and hopeless and despondent, that's how Asaph felt. So he looked back, he remembered what God has done and he said, yeah, you know what? God did this for the Israelites. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for me as well. You know, we, we have the same thing for us. We can look back on what God has done. Now, we can look back even more than Asaph could look back. Now, he had the book of Moses. You know, he, he could see um, from the written record of, of what happened. There was also the um, oral traditions that were passed down, especially f- as they were going through Um, the wilderness and the conquest of the promised land. Um, He had that to look back on. We have that and a whole bunch more to look back on. Because we have from Asaph's time as well up until the present day. I mean, we have the book of Psalms. We have Jeremiah and Isaiah and Lamentations and Um, We have the stories of Elijah and Elisha and, you know, we have all those things. We can look back on the prophets. We can look back on the apostles. We can look back on Jesus. We can look back on the early church and how the early church spread through a pagan world and impacted thousands and thousands of people. We can do the very thing that Asaph did. We can remember what God has done for us. For me personally, when I find myself struggling, I look back to Jesus. That's where I go first. I go to Jesus. Because you know what? If you're a serious student of history, there is no way you can discount the fact that he was here on earth. There is no way you can discount that Jesus came to earth, that he was crucified, 
and that he rose again. You cannot discount that fact. Oh, you can choose not to believe it, that's fine. But you cannot discount the fact that Jesus came to earth, lived, died, and was resurrected. When I'm troubled in spirit, I go to that fact. You know, Jesus came. Jesus was here. And because Jesus was here, I know the promises of God have to be true. They just have to be true. Because Jesus was prophesied about before he got here. He fulfilled those prophecies. He lived and died and was resurrected. And because of the fact that Jesus was resurrected, he had to be God. So I can believe what Jesus said. John 14, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You know why? Because I am going to prepare a place for you. And that where I'm going, hey, you're going to be there with me. Man, that gives me hope in my darkest days. That also gives me a lot of excitement. Man, it's got to be a special place that God is preparing. Can't wait. So is your heart troubled? Are you dealing with issues in your life that seem to be getting the best of you? Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done in your life. And make sure that you come and worship. Come and worship with us. One of the songs that we sang today was called Living Hope. That's what we have. That's what we have in Jesus, our living hope. So for those dark days, remember, remember what God has done. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this reminder from Asaph that in his darkest days, in the time that his soul was deeply troubled, God, he, he remembered what you did for the children of Israel, how you brought them up out of Egypt. God, in our darkest days, remind us of what you have done. God, may we take encouragement, may we take hope in the fact of what you have done in the past. Because God, we know that you are able to help us in our times of trouble as well. Because you are a mighty God who loves us, who cares for us. God, you are a good, good father to us, and we thank you for that. God, I ask that you will use these words to encourage our hearts. God, I pray that you will impress Psalm 77 upon our hearts 
for the times that troubles overwhelm our soul. God, remind us of what Asaph wrote. We give you thanks, God, in Jesus' name, amen.